Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Post Money Plan podcast. You can find us at postmoneyplan.com or search the Post Money Plan in the iTunes podcast app. This upload is coming to you June 14th, 2017. As always, we believe empowerment comes through knowledge, so our purpose here is to inform, educate, and stimulate thought on topics within personal finance, economics, and investing. So today, we're going to bring it back with the interview discussion with Peter Yeh. So last week, we started into part one of discussing the interview process within job hunting. We'll just follow on with where we were last week and wrap up the discussion talking about things you should be thinking about and doing in the interview process in trying to get a job. So last week we talked a little bit about the overview of the chronology of the interview process, like what exactly happens and and how you lead up to that in the job application process. And then we went into more detail talking about how it goes in terms of They extend an offer to interview with you. Typically, you'll do some phone interviews first, especially if it's in a different city or something. And then eventually they'll want to meet you face-to-face for a first or final interview, depending on how many interviews they typically do. So you'll want to accept and confirm that. And then before you go to your interview, we were talking about how you want to research the industry, you want to research the company, the department and the team that you would potentially be getting a job with so that you know ahead of time some background on what you're getting into and that you can answer questions that they are going to have. And then you don't sound like you just want any job, that you actually have taken an interest in what they do, who they are, and what they're about. Then we were talking about getting into the specifics of knowing how the interview process is going to go researching like on Glassdoor and places like that, finding out what questions they ask, the format to their interviews, if they do things like case studies or uh, like have you do coding on the spot or take tests or things like that. Figure that stuff out ahead of time and then practice on it and study up on the job description. Make sure that if there are specific skill sets that they mention on the job description, and you kind of know those things, that you do your homework and study up on those things so that you know them as much as you can before the interview, all that kind of stuff. And then we finished up the last episode talking about some of the various preparation that you could be doing along the way. So let me, before we start back into the discussion, let me reintroduce Peter. So Peter was with me last week, like I said. Peter has not only served as a graduate career advisor during his MBA program, but has also interviewed for dozens of jobs and secured 10 plus job offers over the last 10 years. So he definitely has some experience in the interview arena. So, all right, welcome back to the show, Peter. Thank you. Glad to be here. For better or for worse, I've been. <laughs> all right. So, like I said, we cut it off last week talking about some of the preparation in terms of making a list of questions yourself, things that you would want to know from them and not just them knowing about you. Another thing, how do you feel about like mock interviews ahead of time? I think mock interviews are a great idea. You always want to actually, at the very least, practice the the answers that you're going to prepare for. Like we talked about in the last episode, it was practicing answers that are questions that you know you're going to get. But mock interviews are even a better step, one step further, because you're going to be able to get used to kind of the flow of of the interview process and 
really getting as much experience on that flow of the interview process and going back and forth is just going to be much more beneficial. The more you do these things, the better you get at them. And interviews, so if you do practice some mock interviews on the questions that you think you're going to get or the questions that you saw in Glassdoor that they do ask, it's really going to only help you. So, And I would think, so if you're practicing those kind of things with family or friends or whoever is available to help you out, it's not that they're going to give you the answers to all the technical things that they're going to want to know, but your friend who's listening to you give these answers is going to be looking at you and is there with you face to face. They see, oh, you just stare down at your lap the whole time that you're answering me and you don't make any eye contact. Or the way you're sitting in your chair is all slumped and your body language is kind of poor. Or you're speaking monotone the whole time. Or you are speaking too fast. Or I can barely hear you. Those kind of things are going to be helpful that someone's telling you that. And that's not even that complicated. But just getting that outside perspective from someone is probably going to help a lot. Yeah, it's it's going to help quite a bit. Like a lot of the things that I've been told in my past, or at least that I had to work on, was especially when I'm interviewing to talk at a normal speed and to be as clear and concise as possible, take breaks, take pauses. These are the types of things that you don't need a genius to sit across from you to be able to tell you, but you can really learn quite a bit. Another good way that I've seen people, if you can't get someone to really sit across from you and and actually go through a mock interview, is that they record themselves. So that, That's actually, like next level. Well, I don't know. I, I did spend time in an MBA, and sometimes they couldn't find anyone to mock interview them. They would record themselves and actually look at, you know, hear about how they speak, this timing of which they spoke, how clear they actually answered the questions. Maybe you don't need to take it to that level, and most likely you don't, but practicing is only going to, you know, practice makes perfect. That actually makes me think of a lot of times people are really self-conscious when they either hear themselves on audio or especially when they see themselves on video and audio together. There's some self-conscious things there that you just don't need to worry about. But on the other hand, maybe there are things that you see yourself and you're like, oh, that's not so great. I wish I wasn't doing that or didn't keep pausing. That's where you can learn from that and try to correct that and improve from that. And by seeing and hearing yourself from the third person, you can better pick up on those things that you just don't quite realize because you're just so used to it from internally. Yeah, that's definitely true. Another thought kind of related to all this is whatever research and study and all that, I think you should go old school in terms of either writing up notes or printing out notes and having them in physical with you, like in your portfolio or whatever with you so that you're not (laughs) like they don't want to see you staring at your phone or anything like staring at a laptop during the interview process. I don't think we're to the point in, in time where technology is so accepted that they would be comfortable with you just staring at your phone during the interview process. That's true. Whenever I've gone into interviews in the past, I used to put down notes, at least speaking points, right, of specifically the stories I was going to tell or things about my interviewer that would be harder to remember. And I didn't put them on my first page. It wasn't clear for them to see, but it was was in a place that was easy enough to go back and take a look at before my next interview or 
that I can really quickly glance at and really understand, oh yeah, that's right, that's the story that I'm going to tell, or oh, that's right, that he likes playing golf. So I, I always had it actually in my portfolio when I brought it in. The interviewer couldn't see it, but it was always there for me to use in case I needed it in the middle of an interview, as well as before an interview, really quick reminder of what I needed to talk about. So I guess the danger there is that you get too caught up in staring at your notes and you're always looking down and not paying attention to the people. So you don't want to go too far in that direction either and get too caught up in all your notes and and not be paying attention to the people. You just want those as brief reminders that keep you on track or remind you of points that you already have prepared in your mind. Yeah, exactly. Any time I wrote down something, it was one to two words. <laughs> so it wasn't something that I could stare at and actually, you know, get sidetracked. But yeah, it was it was very brief reminders of what I was going to talk about. But it's also, you know, I think you mentioned something interesting. The fluid movement of an interview, a lot of it has to do with listening to the actual interviewer and how and what they're talking about. And really being able to react to that gives you a lot of credibility within the interview. So that's really important. Yeah, because if you think about taking it back to politics, where you watch like debates, and if people just sound like a robot, then you're like, well, they, they don't actually seem to know anything. They just have memorized some script or something. They're like That doesn't give you a lot of confidence in them. I, I think one common mistake that interviewers generally make is they hold on to something. So going back to you know what the problems of this might be, it's like you hold on to this story or you hold on to this question because it pops into your mind. You think it's genius, right? And you, you sit there and you're waiting to you know, ask the question, ask the question while the person's talking. And finally, when they stop talking, you ask the question. Well, what generally happens is sometimes that question's already been answered while you're sitting there holding on to it and while you're not listening to the interviewer. Yeah, you and definitely want to be listening. the worst thing to do. But yeah, the questions at the end of an interview, I usually have three or four whenever I want to ask someone. The fourth, I've always made it a golden rule to ask a question based on what they've told me in the interview. That's a cool one. That's hard to do because you're consistently worrying about, oh, I need to find something. But I always did that because it's just so impactful to say, hey, you were talking about this earlier. I found this really interesting. I had a thought that might be helpful. And I asked that question and they're like, wow, because a lot of people usually just gloss over what they're talking about. So I always use that as a golden rule and that usually helps quite a bit because it shows that you've been paying attention. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good one. Kind of mentioned these things before, but some summary points. Like you said, wearing the appropriate clothing, like knowing the audience, like if it's a professional job that you go in with a suit and tie, if you're a man or a good dress, if you're a woman, even if that's not what they're wearing on a daily basis, you just, you don't want to be underdressed, even at a a tech job, like you just want to be prepared for what they expect. So there's things that can screw things up for you, but not necessarily win you brownie points, but that can definitely get brownie points taken away. So on that subject, What would you say are some typical things that are going to win you the most brownie points in interviews? If we're looking at the top things that make them like you, what are those things? Hmm. So brownie points, you know, I think there's a couple of things. And we mentioned one of them earlier while we were talking, which was 
listening while they're talking is huge. It's very important. But bringing up a question based on what they're talking about or showing interest into what they're talking about and their job will give you quite a bit of brownie points. So a couple of others, I think, digging into past experiences is showing interest above and beyond your job description. Showcase the fact that you've done research in a company. Showcase the fact that you've done research in a position as well as the person that is interviewing you. Shows that you've done your research, and if you've done it, you might as well use it. On top of that, don't suck up. So I I would agree and echo the things that you said on the brownie points, but just as like very high level things, some of these you might say are, are somewhat start to be out of your control when you're talking about last minute. But I think credentials really like get you in the door of interviews and give people like you can not impress people personally like on a face-to-face basis very well but if they look at your resume and you have you went to this school and you had this great gpa and you have these certifications and this work experience and you were at these companies that can get you a long way even if you really bomb the interview they might still give you a lot of credit for that i think and then after the credentials i would say just confidence so you're in the interview and like what you were saying before If you come across, instead of being nervous, like you're just comfortable, you're fluid, you convey yourself like you at least either know what you're talking about or can adapt to the situation and aren't thrown off by it. I think that goes a long way. And then just the nitty gritty of the knowledge and competence of the job, because basically it's like they want to know, can you do the job, which is the knowledge and competence? And then would we like working with them, which is then likability? So that's where I think the chit-chat and the building rapport comes in and can help you a lot. Completely agree. All right. How about some things that are going to get brownie points taken away from you in the interview? Because there's things that will get brownie points taken away, but might not necessarily add brownie points to you. Like, for example, like being on time. They're not going to really commend you for being on time, but that will definitely, it could disqualify you. <laughs> if you're late or wearing inappropriate clothing, wearing good clothing isn't going to get you the job, but it can definitely lose you the job. That's a great way to look at it. You're talking about certain things that there's the expectations in an interview, like you said, that you arrive on time, that you're wearing professional clothing. Simple things like saying hi and smiling and things like that, you, they're not going to sit there and say this interviewee smiled a lot more than the other one. They're not going to say they dressed a lot better because theoretically these are the baseline of entering an interview, but they are going to point out other things that you go above and beyond, right? So if you're more social than others, if you made jokes, if you were you know, able to carry on a conversation and really had, you know, got along with everyone in the office, that's something that sticks out. On the other side, if you're trying too hard and you say, oh, you're looking great, are you expecting, or something like that, that could really hit you. Um, Sad to say, I've I've seen that too. So it's there's a baseline in an interview process, just like there's a baseline knowledge in terms of the job that you're applying for. They say you need to be a college graduate, you need to do this. Those are the baselines for an interview. And dressing and getting there on time and being polite, those are your baselines. They're not going to help you (laughs) get brownie points. But going above and beyond 
in terms of some of the things we've talked about in the last episode and this episode will give you brownie points. But getting them taken away, I mean, that's not even brownie points. That's if you don't if you're not dressed correctly, you're not going to get the job. If you come late, you're not going to get the job. Those aren't brownie points. Those are whether or not you're even going to be considered. <laughs> so that's actually a really good point. Yeah. But then if you appear to be ignorant to them, you don't know, you haven't done your research, that's going to disqualify you probably. Or if you just seem to exude like a lack of effort or care, they probably aren't going to be too attracted to that, right? Yeah, that's definitely true. I used to go to a career fair for a company that I used to work for, and I would be there standing at the booth, and I wasn't part of HR. I was actually part of the program, a leadership program for the company, and people would come up and stand in line and talk to you. And one of the biggest things that I found was they would sit there and they would be, oh, this is a leadership program. It sounds great. You get exposure to a lot of different areas, and it preps you for for leadership within a company. And they would get to me, and they would talk about this program and how it would help them. And I would ask them, what is it about this company that you like? And they would say, the leadership program. It's like, okay, tell me about the company, anything else about it. And they wouldn't be able to tell me a single thing, especially the industry, what we do. And it was a healthcare company. And I thought it was simple. It was like giving them a perfect answer because healthcare is a very easy answer to say, why do you want to get involved into it? But they just didn't do their research. And that's incredibly, you know, you can have all the things on your, you can graduate from the best schools and not showing interest in where you're applying to is almost the same thing as being late to an interview. It just shows the lack of interest and, and that does not go very far. Also, if you're not very likable, <laughs> then you could be pretty competent, but if you just make yourself unlikable to them or you create strife or whatever and offend them in the interview, they're probably not going to want to hire you, even if you know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's very true. It goes back to being professional, being professional, being prepared, being well-dressed and being likable. I mean, these are all qualities that you should have without really thinking that that's anything extra. But I think, I think you make a good point. When you're talking about getting brownie points taken away, it's really more so doing things that you should be doing in the first place. Well, yeah, maybe right? it's not the right terminology, but things that you should not be doing or avoiding. <laughs> How about like asking about money on, on the first in-person interview or really even at all, right? Yeah, you should never ask about your salary until you get the offer. <laughs> you shouldn't really talk about who you'd be managing or what you'd be doing or things like that to a peer or someone that you might be managing. There are things that you shouldn't really ever bring up, but these are things that are almost probably even actually talk about this for quite a while in terms of horror stories, in terms of people going in and doing the wrong things, but realistically to prepare for <laughs> what, like what's, what's like one of the worst things you've heard or experienced? Oh, I could tell one. I had a, an interview with Wachovia back in 2009. This was like the early stage where they were doing these group interviews where they weren't really that serious about individual candidates at that point, but had their panel of people that were talking and telling us about it. And then as we're walking out, I like, I think I spilled a big glass of water either near someone or on some of their stuff. And I was like, 
You'll remember me, but not for a good reason. <laughs> I did not get asked back. <laughs> that's, that's actually really funny. So, I mean, I've, I've generally had fairly good interviews. You know, I have heard of people commenting, trying to, you know, trying to earn those extra boundary points by noticing that a girl may be or may not be pregnant and saying things like, oh, you know, when are you expecting? That's a fairly common one that I think a lot of people will fall into. And as a general rule, you never say that unless they tell you that they're pregnant, regardless. But I think being too overconfident is one of the biggest things. You come in and you clearly don't know your place is one that's interesting. You come in, you start talking about how many achievements that you've done and how you're the greatest person on earth. And I'll tell you an example. We, I was on a project not too long ago, and there were 30 people in a room, and everyone was listing off their experiences. I have 25, 30-plus years in this industry. I've been doing it for a very long time. And it came up to someone, and you had 20 people speak before him at this point with decades of experience. And the first thing that comes out is, I have a PhD, which no one else has in this room. <laughs> and you start to think, and to his credit, I, I don't think that's what he probably meant to say, but that was probably one of the worst things you could have said, because it's just showing that you think it's better, um, and that's how it came across. And that, that was just that for the rest of the project was talked about for a very long time in terms of ego. So you don't want to do things like that. And you think of them as common sense in hindsight, but you just need to be very mindful about what you say and what you talk about, especially in these interview processes. Just think about it as a full day of making sure that you, you, you keep yourself in line. You can loosen up a bit sometimes, talk about hobbies or interests or things like that, but maybe not talk about your alcohol habits and how you like to party till two in the morning. Those are things that you, you shouldn't probably bring up. Yeah, that sounds wise. <laughs> it's a huge mistake on his part. He actually didn't get along with anyone there for the whole entire six months he was there. There's also some merit to having some intuition and being able to read people during the interview process so that you're interactive and responsive. So this kind of ties back to your point about making it an effort to ask a question about something that you learned in the interview process or during the interview. Because if you are reactive and you adapt based on what's happening, that is going to work a lot better than if you're just a robot that's pre-programmed, you have all your scripted responses, and you cannot adjust no matter like what happens in the interview. That's not going to go over nearly as well as if you're fluid and adapting as things go. Not exactly the same point, but I had an interview process where I flew out to Washington State. They had me on their headquarters campus, interviewed through a bunch of different people, and I thought the day went great. Like, they seemed to be friendly, nice people. I thought they liked me. And then it wasn't, it was just like a day later, I called them back to try to follow up quickly, and they said, we're not interested anymore. That really shocked me, because I actually thought it went really well, especially compared to some other interviews. So there's some merit to having some intuition and, and being able to read the situations to have a sense of what's going on and adapting to that. That's actually true. I, 
during the my MBA program, you have a lot of peers interviewing at the same time because when we're getting our internships, everyone's interviewing. When we're interviewing for jobs, it's all during the same time. So you hear a lot of stories about people coming back and saying, I rocked that interview. And next thing you know, they didn't get it. Or <laughs> someone, someone would say, oh, I did so poorly, I'm never going to get it. And then they would receive an offer a week later. And it's funny because I think during my interviews, both my internship interview and my full-time interview, I was like, that was the worst interview I've ever done. And I got an offer a week later. So while I think reading the situation is extremely important, I don't even actually know necessarily how to do it. I can read how an interview one-on-one is going. But a lot of these interviews I did were like four to five people all in a row. And by the fourth or fifth person, I could barely pay attention. And I couldn't read anything. (laughs) And so it's while you think an interview may be going very poorly... It might be just that facial expression of that person that's throwing you off. It might be just the how that interviewer is going. It might be just your certain circumstance that makes you think that way. But truthfully, you know, follow the basic interviewing examples that we've given, which is make sure that you wear proper clothes, professional clothes, you dress nice, you get there on time, you prepare for the interview, you do your research, you get all your stories right in terms of what they may ask you, and you stick with being yourself. Who knows? You may think that interview is going very poorly, but like I said, those two I honestly thought I wasn't going to get, and I got offers right afterwards. So I think the point there would just be that perception might not quite match reality. But then the other thing is you don't have full information of the situation. So it might have gone well for you, but they might have had someone who was just had all the things that they were looking for that happened to be better qualified than you. And it wasn't that you did poorly. It was just that they were better or the other way around. You may have done poorly, but they didn't have anyone better. And so you happen to be the best candidate kind of thing. You just don't have full information. So I'd say the point being... Do your best, try to read the situation, and have a positive outlook, and don't give up hope, because you never know. Agreed. All right, well, let's uh, go ahead and call it quits there. Hopefully this is of some informative benefit in the interview process for people. Any last thought, parting thought? Mm, This is probably coming more more from the thought process of being a millennial. You know, I've jumped quite a bit of jobs, not necessarily because I want to, but because I always thought that I could do better or that I wanted to do something better. I think a lot of the times that I had to do so was because I didn't properly understand the company or the position that I was actually getting into. I just did a very good job at interviewing, got the job. And figured that, hey, you know, this is a new job. It's in a bad economy. Let me try it out and see what happens. But if I properly actually vetted the company and made sure, I wouldn't have hopped as many jobs. So this is almost going back to making sure that it's not just a fit for them. Because I think a lot of people focus so much on that, where if I get the job offer, that's all that matters. Yeah, like first first offer accepted. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. In our day and age, we really need to understand 
there has to be some sense of, it's not loyalty that we're missing. It's the fact that we're so ready to accept the first job or we're so ready to say, hey, we want, it's the need to be wanted that we're like, oh yeah, that's great. I, I definitely do that. But if you really vet and you really ask yourself what you want to do before accepting an offer, that's not only going to play in how you react to other jobs. It's probably going to make your career a lot more fulfilling, but it's also going to make you more confident in your interview process because it's really going to say, this is something that I want to do. I've asked myself, I know why I want to do it. I know what this means to me. And how you feel always plays out in your body language. So knowing that stuff beforehand would not only stop you from jumping through hoops and jobs and moving for new jobs, but also will make sure that you're going to be a lot more composed. Your answers are going to be a lot clearer, more concise. And that, I think, would actually help in the long run. I think that's some good advice because there's so many people that end up in jobs that they are actually not satisfied with or it's not a good fit for them and they end up very dissatisfied. So just jumping at the offer because they offered it to you <laughs> ends up being not the best thing a lot of times, I think. Well, all right, let's uh, wrap it up there. So thanks again for joining us and catch us next time on another episode of the Post Money Plan podcast. <laughs>